As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Episode 85, Budget and the Beach. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. So Katie, do you want to tell them or should I? Uh, I can tell them. Okay. All right. So now that CFA studying is officially over. Thank goodness. Thank you, <laughs> Lord. Uh, <laughs> By high request, we are putting a mini podcast on Alexa. Yeah. So basically the idea, it's just like a two minute quick money lesson tip that you can hear on your Alexa or your Google Home or anything of the sort. Um, so that way when you're getting ready for work in the morning or making breakfast or doing whatever you do. We can be part of your flash briefing now. Right. And it'll just give you like a quick money tip, something to think about for the day, you know, just a short little thing to keep you on track. And we hope to provide actionable daily tips and tricks so you can sort of just get ahead and really, you know, try conquer one small thing at a time. Right. And it's not like a huge drawn out thing. Like it's it's just a quick one or two minute thing. Yep. And then you can go on to the rest of your other flash briefing. Right. And it'll just be Katie and myself. So you're not going to hear any guests here. We'll still keep our normal podcast the way it is, but we're going to have the daily show, which will be quite nice and fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So our guest today is Tanya from Budget on the Beach. And she's got a very interesting story. You know, I could appreciate the fact that she said she hit financial rock bottom. Even though now looking back, she admits it was not as severe. And it's all, you know, kind of 
your mindset at the time. And at the time she felt like that. Well, also it's about perspective. You know, for you, that could be your financial rock bottom and that could be as bad as someone else that's got it a million times worse. But from your perspective, that's all you know. So That's true. I really enjoyed talking to her. Yeah. All right. She was awesome. We should probably let people hear her story and not ours. So should we (laughs) dive right in? Sure. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Hey, Chainers. Welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today, we have Tonya with us. Tonya is the author behind the personal finance blog, Budgets and the Beach, which she started since her life turning point after losing her job and realizing the importance of learning how to budget her money. Flash forward a few years and she's been featured all over the place, including Rockstar Finance, A Life Hacker and Hello Giggles. Hey Tanya. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So before we dive into anything, I really want to hear about this financial rock bottom that you hit a couple years ago. What what was that like? Yeah. What happened? Katie's very nosy. I well, I am. Yeah. I, I have also been at financial rock bottom, so I feel like it's okay to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, rock bottoms are relatable, and I think what's always good is that you recover from them. So thankfully, I did. But basically, my rock bottom story, and it's really funny now that I'm in a different place to hear other people's rock bottom. And then I hear my own or think of my own. I actually, my rock bottom was very mild in comparison. I just, it felt to me because, and actually I was just discussing this with a friend about how our our thresholds are all different. Some people have a much lower threshold for money pain and that would be me. So I considered myself broke when I actually still had money. So uh, it's kind of funny that that was, my rock bottom was really not that bad in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, but basically, um, I worked, always worked full time my whole life and could always find jobs pretty easily. Uh, and it wasn't until 2008 when the recession hit. Uh, the company I was working for for eight and a half years was being bought out. And I uh, lost my job. But the thing that was good about it, I guess, at the time was I actually got like six months of severance. And I had, I think there was like a bonus and I had a bunch of vacation time saved up. So I actually was pretty smart in how I did that. And I like had a great opportunity to save money because I could actually work freelance at the same time. Uh, but of course, you know, we like to learn the hard way, mm-hmm. which I did. So, um, you know, it's funny too, because in 2000, it was September of 2008, I got a big, big freelance job the first week I, uh, was laid off and, it was a huge check. And now I wasn't even doing estimated taxes at the time. And I was just thinking like, why haven't I done this sooner? This is great. Life is going to be awesome. I can't believe I waited so long to freelance. And then work kind of dried up because of the recession. And then I got a little obsessed with beach volleyball and was playing all the time, meeting new people, going out to lunch and dinner. I was talking to a friend the other day. I was saying, remember when we used to leave our apartment in the morning and I wouldn't come home till like two in the morning. I would be out all day. Uh, So of course I was eating out a lot and just blowing through money. I was taking private lessons. I was doing tournaments. 
And I did that for a good couple of years. And I realized I was blowing through my savings way faster than I was making anything. And I kind of hit my rock bottom in 2000 May, or actually it was February of 2012. I went to a Valentine's dinner over at a friend's house. She had a bunch of us over and I came back and I parked my car. And then for the the next day I wasn't driving my car. So I just didn't go anywhere. And the day after that, I came out to look for my car and it was completely gone. And I thought someone stole it. And it turns out that I parked it in a place that it got towed and I had no idea. And it turns out that basically what I had to pay to get my car out of what I call car jail uh, was the exact same amount that I was waiting for a freelance check. No. And that's just pretty pretty pathetic, right? Because I was like sprinting to the mailbox every day to wait for this one check. And then as soon as I got it, I had to pay to get my car out of tow, being towed. <laughs> so that was a moment where I'm like, something is wrong here with my money situation. And uh, and it's funny, I didn't even really learn my lesson for a couple more months because I already had a couple of vacations planned. Real smart, I know. <laughs> and uh, so after that is when I started my blog. And, you know, but at that point, I, I could never really catch up for like the next six years. And so it was just a matter of like constantly, I was working for one client as a freelancer and it was too, I couldn't leave working with him because he provided me with most of my work, but I also couldn't even afford to stay with him. It was just kind of a complicated being in a like bad relationship or something. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty much my roller coaster ride for, for about almost seven years total. That's absolutely crazy. That is such a long time. And I can relate to that <laughs> terrible feeling of getting your car towed because I've only had my car towed one time. And ironically, it was out of Dennis's like parking garage, like years <laughs> ago. And I went to like help him go grocery shopping and I was leaving early that night because I needed to go home because I'd work the next day. And I came out and my car was gone. And it was just like this immediate like swirl in my head. Like, am I going crazy? I know I parked right here, but where is it? And it, Yeah, they don't tell you your car's towed. Yeah. You have to kind of figure that out. Yes. And then, right. like, I spent like the next like, what, 45 minutes looking through the parking garage yeah. thinking because I parked, <laughs> crazy. I parked somewhere that I don't typically park anyway. So then... And then I, I thought like, oh, maybe my car got stolen. Like this could be kind of cool. Like, well, maybe not cool, but like, well, yeah. You didn't like your car, so no, like, I didn't, you actually would have been happy I if it got like stolen. The car. I was actually <laughs> hoping it did get stolen and like run off into a cliff or something. Um, but no, it ended up getting towed, and it was. I remember ha- trying to haggle the the price of of having to pay to get it out, and they it just was not working at all. It was one of the worst experiences ever. Yeah, it's no fun. And then on top of the car, paying to get your car out of car jail, you get you have to pay for a ticket too, or at least I did. So I was like to add insult to injury, it's like kicking you when you're down. Yeah, and I don't know if they did this to your car, but they put like some yellow marker thing on it. And it took weeks for me to be able to get all the yellow off of my windshield. Oh, wow. I didn't do that to mine, thankfully. I did not get it off. So Crazy. (laughs) So I know you spoke a little bit about freelancing earlier. So what would you say is the hardest part about being in freelancing? I think one of the hardest parts of freelancing is basically that you are responsible for everything. So your computer breaks, you are IT. Uh, If you need to mail a bunch of things, you are 
that person. Uh, and so basically you're just in charge of everything. Uh, another thing that's really difficult is dealing with taxes. Uh, I, I swore every year I would be better at organizing my receipts and everything else. And then sure enough, I wouldn't do it. And then around February, uh, right before taxes, I would spend the next three weeks trying to organize everything and kicking myself for not being organized. So uh, for any freelancers out there, I would definitely recommend trying to stay as organized as possible during the year. But yeah, paying, figuring out estimated taxes you, you need to take out because you get the full check. You need to make sure that you're taking out a certain percentage of that check, which hurts when you see it. <laughs> you're like, oh, it looks so good until I have to move some of this money to a different account. But yeah, it's really trying to stay organized. Um, it's not as easy as people think. I mean, it's not like people are sipping margaritas on the beach. Uh, it's a lot of work. But it's also really rewarding too at and times. And it's a lot of hustle. And if you're not used to it, I feel like that is kind of it's a strange feeling having to go out and hustle like every dollar you're making. Yeah, exactly. Because not only when you're working, you know, like if you're in a full-time job, you're just working on your work, right? You know where you're going to go for the next several weeks or year or whatever it may be. Uh, when you're working on a freelance project, more than likely you still at the same time have to be lining other things up. And then it always kind of seems to happen where it's like it rain, when it rains, it pours, right? All of a sudden you get tons of work and then you're like, oh, I want to say yes to everybody, but you know you're going to have to turn somebody down and then you're afraid they'll never come back and ask you to do another thing again. And then dry spells, uh, and they happen to everybody, can last for a really long time. So you got to really pay attention to your budget. And that's another thing that's complicated is budgeting when you don't know exactly what your income is going to be every month, which is why I think having a surplus going into freelancing is so, so, so important because then that is your buffer for those drier months. Yeah. Well, speaking of budgets, going back to when you were getting yours together, what steps did you take? What was your first thing that you did? Uh, as a freelancer or full-time? Because they're kind of very different. Um, let's go with freelancer. Freelancer. Yeah. Uh, well, you have to kind of take what your income is over this course of several months and kind of create an average. Uh, for me, I use a, a simple Excel spreadsheet. I've tried other fancier apps, but I found that a simple Excel spreadsheet is good for me. Um, and then I try not to overcomplicate my categories. You know, I don't break it down into every little detail because it becomes cumbersome. But I find that having to do it manually and enter things manually kind of keeps me on track of things. Otherwise, uh, I tend to not pay attention to where the money's going. So when you're forced to do it, yourself, you're really kind of feeling the pain of all the transactions. So, you know, whether that's collecting too many receipts and you just hate paper and so it's better to not spend the money. It's, um, for me, that kind of thing worked. So what advice do you have for someone who's in a financial mess? Oh my God. <laughs> Loaded question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's, I think you have to kind of, you know, how do you eat an elephant, right? It's, it's in chunks, uh, basically baby steps. Um, I think you have to kind of set aside time to start to really sort of piece all these little sides of your life together. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's like when people say they're going to lose you know, 50 pounds in two months, it's just kind of crazy. So you need to kind of break it down to manageable goals, I think, if you're in a really, really big mess. Um, so maybe that's just 
going through and organizing all your credit card debt and figuring out what you owe, creating a spreadsheet of which, uh, you know, has the highest interest rate, um, that sort of thing so that you can kind of tackle that one part. Um, another area may be to figure out how you can maybe challenge yourself on how you can cut down your grocery spending. So, uh, after you tackle the credit card thing, then you see if you can bring down your grocery bill, um, whether that's cutting coupons or just maybe not letting food go to waste. So, um, and then when you're done with that, kind of tackle another area. I think it's a matter of not getting overwhelmed with it because I think there's a lot of people out there that start a budget and have these you know, grand ideas of that their money is going to just be amazing at that point. It takes a lot of trial and error and you may spend more than you budgeted and then you have to adjust. So I think it's just a matter of making it kind of a habit. Uh, so it's just part of your life, like brushing your teeth. Um, and you don't have to get bogged down like once a month. I'm kind of an advocate for like once a week check-in, uh, that you're not just overwhelmed with this like big, big mess. So, but you really do need to know what you have coming in, what you have going out, what you owe, uh, debt, mortgage, car, anything like that. And you need to kind of have it all in front of you so that you can really start to get a visual snapshot of where you are at in life. I mean, again, with the losing weight thing, if you are trying to get fit, you need to step on the scale and see where you're starting from. So, you know, you have to get real with where you're at. Um, that would be kind of my advice for that. Yeah. And I can definitely relate to the regular check-ins we sit down and we look at our budget about once a week and it helps you keep aligned for the rest of the month yeah I think so I mean I think it just you know and you can make it fun too I mean I know a lot of couples have like wine and you know they make it kind of like a date night or whatever but um I find that the more often I do it the less it becomes more of a, a errand, you know, or a task that's kind of a drag. So I just try to keep it relatively simple so that it's just really well integrated into my life. Right. Awesome. So going back to your name, Budgets on the Beach, where did it come from? <laughs> I kind of feel like I stole it in a way because I was trying to think of, and I've had several blog names before or blogs before, and none of them went anywhere, so they aren't even worth mentioning. But uh, I had a friend who had a food website called Beauties and the, oh God, what was it called? Oh, wait. Oh my God. I can't even remember the name of it now, but it had a similar kind of like flow, like Beauty and the Beast, but it was something else. And then it was just sort of like, I live by the beach, uh, then it just kind of flowed into that. So it's just like, oh, budget on the beach. That, that makes sense. Although I would warn others to geographically box themselves into a, uh, a name because it, you know, also people that have debt in their name, it's like, well, hopefully you won't always be in debt. And then are you going to be, are you going to change your name? Or are you still going to be known as that like debt blogger? So it's kind of like when you, are in one part of your life and you name your blog that you kind of get stuck with it for a while. <laughs> Definitely makes sense. I don't, move, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason I thought you were going where like when you're in one part of your life, like if you name your child that like you might want to think long-term. I don't know why I was immediately thinking like children. Well, it's the same kind of thing, right? It's something that grows and they may outgrow that name. <laughs> so it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Although, you know, I think it's fairly easy. If you buy a new URL, you can redirect it, which I might do if I ever move. So who there knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. 
Chainers, if you're looking to learn some awesome money tips, Katie has just published her first ebook. So you can check it out at chainofwealth.com slash wolf. There you can get it for free. And this is actually going to be a paid product. So just for podcast listeners, chainofwealth.com slash wolf. All right, Tanya. So why do you think people struggle to achieve their dreams? Ah. <sighs> God, another loaded question. I'm really good at the loaded questions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I think perhaps for a lot of people, dreams are in their head. I think people are really bad at projecting what they want. I think there's a study saying that people are notoriously bad for figuring out what they really want. So they may want, like, say, for instance, we'll go back to the weight thing. They may want like a six pack abs and a, you know, perfect body. But most people aren't willing to do what it takes to get to that point. And I think dreams are pretty similar. It's that, you know, you have these big grandiose ideas of what you want out of life and you want a house on a beach and you want, you know, the perfect this and the perfect that. But when it comes down to it, to get that and to make the sacrifices you need to achieve that, most people aren't willing to do it. So, you know, I'm always a big believer that you should have dreams and they should have big goals and you should have a vision of what your life is. But I guess in a way, make it kind of realistic or have checkpoints along the way that are more realistic. So if you do want that dream home on the beach and you need to set like sort of smaller term goals to you need to save X amount each year until you're able to do that. And that's kind of more realistic. So I just think most people aren't they either don't know what they truly want or they aren't willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Definitely makes sense. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend to our listeners? Uh, well, I guess I would recommend Martinis and Your Money since I am part of that. Uh, I do the Happy Hour podcast uh, once a month uh, with Shannon McClay, and it's really fun. It's the last Friday of every month. And my favorite personal finance book, I know it's tried and true, but I would say Your Money or Your Life is probably the one that was a game changer for me. I think a lot of people can relate to it, and that's why it's <laughs> exactly. so such a com- common Lee recommended book. I struggled to get that sentence out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think especially too, when you're, you think of things in in terms, in different terms. So, you know, I used to go to the laundromat because I don't have laundry in my unit. And so I would go to the adjacent drugstore and I'd always buy a magazine. And let's just say it was like, oh, magazine. And it was like $5. And, but when I read that book, I thought that $5 is X amount of time that I put into work that maybe I didn't want to, or that was, just wasn't going to what I really, really wanted. And so suddenly as I valued my time equal to money, it just was an entirely big wake up call for me. And instead of going and buying that magazine, you could go to like the public library and like check out a book or check out a magazine or something for free. And at first, like the $5 doesn't seem like a lot, but then once you start adding it up over time, it does turn into quite an expense. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I'm catching you out of the blue, but do you have a uh, a favorite quote? Oh, favorite quote. Um, Yeah, it's funny. I I think it was, uh, so I I might be paraphrasing this, but um, so basically John Wooden, who was the head coach of the UCLA basketball team, uh, would say that sports don't, sports don't build character, it reveals it. 
And I like to replace sports with just about anything. So money, money doesn't build character, it reveals it. Um, you name anything situation, uh, because I find that applies to just about everything in life. Um, you know, like say for money, it's like if you were, you know, a poor jerk, you know, you're going to get rich and you're just going to be a rich jerk. It's just going to be the same of who you are. So money doesn't make you a jerk. You were probably a jerk beforehand. <laughs> So, um, and you must do the thing you cannot do as another one. I think that was Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, and another one, and I think this is Mark Twain, uh, which I, I don't quote me on that, but I, I think it's funny just because of, um, how we tend to get, ex- to get like uh, overwhelmed in life or upset or worried for no particular reason. I think it's something like, I've had some terrible things happen and happen to me in my life, some of which actually happened. <laughs> I know it's probably not how it's said, but you can look it up. But it's so true because in our minds, we think things are so terrible. And most of the time, really, we have to put it in perspective. Things aren't that bad. Yeah, well, and then once your mind starts going, you it's always the worst scenario ever that could possibly happen that more than likely won't. But you're, yeah. you work yourself up. Yes, exactly. So I'm sorry if I slaughtered all of those quotes, but (laughs) I think you have enough information to go on. If you're really interested, you can go look. Absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. Tanya, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's this whole thing about YOLO uh, that we're all familiar with and even FOMO to some extent. And, you know, we're bombarded with those kinds of images on social media and TV of everyone living this like fabulous life. And so I think everyone gets out, you know, wants to just kind of like live for today. And I definitely, I'm in my forties. So I I try to impart this wisdom on especially people in their twenties that you don't have to sacrifice a lot to save money now. And trust me when I say you are going to be so much happier if you just put a little bit aside now. Of course, there's a whole magic of compound interest. But even if it's you don't know about investing yet, just save a little bit of something. It gives you options. If you want to change your job really quickly, you can do that. You can have you know that savings. It gives you confidence. So just save something, just a little something, and then try to invest it because it's going to work to your benefit. And you will be so so much happier when you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s that you did that. Jane, as we've been hanging out with Tanya, you can check out her website. It's budgetsandthebeach.com. And definitely start today. It will make a massive difference later in life. Chainers, we've loved hanging out with you today. And we'd love if you could continue the conversation with us on Twitter. Hit us up. It's at Chain of Wealth on Twitter. And let us know what you thought of today's show. Catch you on the flip side. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba.